This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at HuskerCuzCast for all podcast updates and more. Great show planned for tonight. Tim Chapman, writer for the Wildcat Report covering Northwestern football in depth, will join us to break down the Northwestern game. Uh, so no Wisconsin recap tonight because Barry Alvarez either doesn't want to play a game without his head coach and a fourth string quarterback, or he's just a COVID pussy. Fair or not fair, Tyler? Not fair. Um, I, I mean, there, there's real things with COVID out there. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I, it, it, I don't want to speak for Wisconsin, what they did. I, it just, what I will say is if they would have came out today and said they're playing Purdue, it sure would have seemed like they were avoiding the Nebraska game. They didn't do that. They canceled the Purdue game. I tend to believe that they're concerned. Um, I, I just, what I don't know, and I'm not trying to get people fired as much as I hate it, but the Big Ten should do some investigating here. Like, the lack of control that Wisconsin had and how rapid it spread like, I don't know if there's been another team in the country that's been impacted by COVID as bad as Wisconsin has been. And, I mean, a- after the season started. And so the controls that Wisconsin put in place just really suck. And we don't know how these Illinois players got it. I mean, did they get it from Wisconsin players? Is that why that really – and that caused them the Purdue game? It just – I don't know. I, I think there should be some investigation. There won't because it's Barry Alvarez, but – uh yeah, there might need to be. All right, Derek, coming back to you. Is Barry Alvarez a COVID pussy, or did he just not want to play with uh, his head coach out and starting a fourth-string quarterback? Hey, you're goddamn right he's a COVID pussy. <laughs> Look, it's, it's totally fair to say this. Uh, the Big Ten still has not canceled one of their games. They've canceled both of them. I get it. They're trying to be safe. Whatever. Uh, and Tyler, I'm tired of this narrative. As a Husker fan, I find it absurd that Wisconsin is trying to avoid playing Nebraska. We just lost by five touchdowns to Ohio State. It looked good for Nebraska for a little while. That's fair. That's fine. But it's stupid to think that Wisconsin's scared to play Nebraska. Like, if anything, I would say they were more scared to play Purdue. Purdue probably had at least a more of a legitimate shot than what most people would say Nebraska had to be, had beaten Wisconsin. I, if anything, I, w- I would say that they're more scared of playing with a fourth-string quarterback and their, their head coach out. I, I will say this. But it's but it's not because it's not I think they're scared to play Nebraska or Purdue, for that matter. I, I will say this, and, and, and I, I want to get off the Wisconsin topic pretty quickly here. So, But I just want to say, if Nebraska was in Wisconsin's shoes... And we could feel like we could do it safely. I, obviously, safety is most important. I would want to play a game with Logan Smothers and no Scott Frost. I, I want to watch football. I don't care if we win or lose. You know, the one thing about Nebraska losing these last few years, I, I it doesn't phase me anymore. I, I want to watch football. And, you know, I, I wish Wisconsin could have found a way to play that game. Win or lose for Nebraska, I would have liked to have seen it. All right, so Tyler, you say Logan Smothers, but you know, fourth string guy, that's going to be Matt Masker, right? Would you Play still Matt have Masker. that same energy? You you'd Hell still yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I with mean, you. I, I want I want to play a game. That's what I want to do, and I don't I, I don't want to say I don't care if we win or lose because I really much do. But if we're playing our fourth string quarterback and we lose a game, I'm not really going to go to bed at night thinking oh, what's going on with my Huskers. Right. All right. Well, let's move on now. Uh, two weeks in, uh, I got to ask, do you guys have a good beat on who's good and who isn't good in the Big Ten? You know, we're, we're putting out a weekly Big Ten ranking out on Twitter uh, each week, each Sunday. Uh, we're doing that this year. And after week one, headed into week two, we basically shuffled the deck. All these teams that we thought were good in the beginning, maybe they're not. 
and some of these teams that we thought were absolutely terrible, uh, they're actually surprising us. So I don't know. I mean, do, Derek, do you have a good beat on who's good or who's bad? Yeah, uh, I really do. Uh, Ohio State's really good, and Minnesota's not. <laughs> okay, so those two teams, yeah, I think everybody can agree there. But, you know, that uh, 2 through 13, man, that's tough, right? Oh, absolutely. It, it, it is crazy. What? Because I, I, I tell you, I, I trashed Purdue up until this point. And I've trashed uh, Northwestern really up until this point, and right now both of them are two and zero, looking like better teams in the damn conference. Uh, Indiana, I figure, would be middle of the pack. Shit, they're two and zero with a big game against Michigan this weekend. Michigan, I thought they were going to be really good after stomping Minnesota, and they turn around and lose to Michigan State. Uh, it's been an uh, I, I, I don't. I can't recall a season that was as up and down as what this has been through two weeks. Right. Tanner, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I, I generally agree with Derek there. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty in the Big Ten. Um, you know, who who's going to emerge, who isn't? I mean, it's just it's so um, up in the air. You talked about Purdue being good, and they may or may not be there 2-0, but let's not forget they – beat an Illinois team by three points that was without their starting quarterback and a lot of other players. Um, and Illinois is a team that I think... Seven points. Okay, so, uh, one score, sorry, one score game um, with Illinois. And Illinois, along with Minnesota right now, is who we have at the bottom of the pack of the Big Ten. So, I, you know, I, I don't know who's good or not. And all this leads me for the brief sample size I've seen on Nebraska to be a lot more optimistic than I was three weeks ago. Yeah. So uh, do you think that, uh, are you increasing your win total for Nebraska? Do you like what their schedule is uh, lays out? I mean, do you like it? I will say this. I think, yes, I had us going four and four, obviously four and four is not on the table um, in the eight game schedule. I, I probably would land on us going five and two right now. Wow. But I will say, I think we have a better shot of going six and one than three and four. Um, so I think we probably. If I, I, I think that you you look at five and two is the most probable. Then you look at four and three, and then you have six and one, and then three and four. But you look at this; these next two weeks for Nebraska are, there, in my opinion, the two toughest games left on the schedule. And we'll break down the Northwestern game, and that is a tough game, but it's not a scary game. We can win that game. Penn State is a game going into the year. I really didn't think we could win. We could beat Penn State now. I, we may not, but we could. Uh, and then that back half of the schedule is just, it's awful. I mean, I, if we don't go at least 3-1 and one to end the year, if not 4-0, and oh, I mean, that's going to be a real shame on the, the season right now, the way it looks. Derek, do you feel better about the schedule moving forward now that you've seen uh, two weeks of football in the Big Ten? I, I don't know. Yes and no, I guess. I had Nebraska going five and three to begin with. Uh, I, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable about my bold prediction of killing Minnesota. Uh, you know, and Iowa looks real, a lot more beatable, who I thought we could beat in the first place. Uh, the, the, really, the only thing that's changed is that one of the teams I thought we couldn't beat, we didn't play. And that was Wisconsin. So, I, I to me, I, I could still see us going five and two. I Penn State does look a little more beatable now. I six and one's not impossible, but I, again, we haven't seen enough out of Nebraska right now to really say what we're going to do. We, we 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 did some really good things against Ohio State, but we didn't do enough to change my mind I, to make me think that we're some great team either. Yet we're still making too many mistakes. Uh, fumbles killed us in that game. Penalties killed us in that game, uh, and they, those are things that got to clean up. And, and and one of the problems is that one of the turnovers was from Adrian Martinez, who has struggled with penalties, or I'm not I'm sorry, not penalties, but turnovers uh, throughout his career so far. And he he owned up to that in his interview yesterday. You know, uh, he, you know, he he talked about how that's been a problem in his career and it's something he needs to clean up. Well, 
it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to do it, and we need to see it. Tyler? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think, he, he, Derek, you're right. There, there's, We looked as good as I thought we would look against Ohio State. Um, but there was nothing in that game that made me feel that we're on a different plane. But what I will say is this. I watched that Penn State-Ohio State game. I don't think I saw a noticeable difference between uh, Penn State and Nebraska. I think the differences in that game were the penalties that Penn State did a much better job in turnovers. Um, You go into that fourth quarter, it was very much a similar game. Nebraska had more yards than uh, Penn State did. We had given up uh, less yards than Penn State did. Um, The difference at that point in the game were penalties and turnovers. So I I think that you look at that game, um, you talk about Iowa. Um, I I mean, I've watched Iowa. I think they played really – they could have beaten Northwestern, but that quarterback play is terrible. Minnesota has no defense. Purdue might be the third toughest game on our schedule. And again, I'm not buying Purdue stock right now. So I I say all this to say that if you are a Nebraska fan – you're watching very closely this Northwestern game because if we look good, there there's a lot of optimism the rest of the year. And if we look bad, Tyler? Depends how bad. I mean, COVID. COVID's to blame. Well, no, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, if we get blown out by Northwestern, but there's no history to indicate that's going to be the case. But if we were to get blown out by, uh, um, Northwestern, then yeah, that probably recalibrates a little bit of the season. But if we even lose a close game to our second toughest game, again, is four and three still on the table? I hell yes, it is. All right, last word to you. All right, well, well, I, I want to go back to uh, Tyler's little differences between Penn State and Nebraska against uh, Ohio State. And while you mentioned a lot of good things, but I think one, the one thing you're leaving out of what the biggest difference was was uh, number five, I forget his name, the wide receiver for Penn State, who had 144 yards and like three touchdowns. And right now, doesn't look like Nebraska has that guy. Not not through one game. Now, maybe we do, and we just haven't seen him yet, but right now, it doesn't look like we have that guy. Well, you're right, Derek. I agree with you, but I will say, watching Penn State, they didn't have a Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez. Um, Sean Cliff... Neither of those quarterback, our quarterback running game was so much better than what Penn State does. So, yes, we don't have that receiver. Yes, I would like that receiver. Maybe we get that person. But, I, I mean, there was a lot of things that we did that Penn State didn't do. All right. Well, I'm ready to talk about this Northwestern game. So, let's bring on the guest. We now welcome in Tim Chapman, writer of the Wildcat Report. You may know him as Chappie, the college football writer on Twitter. Welcome, Chappie. Guys, I appreciate being here. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us. First off, congratulations. Uh, You have some exciting news to talk about a book that you wrote. Uh, Tell us about that. Yeah, so the main reason why I got into Northwestern football was the 1995 season, which was incredible. Uh, not nearly as glorious as as the Nebraska season winning the championship that year, but considering the 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 down history that the Wildcats had, that was really a season that um, got me into being a, a follower of Northwestern football. And um, so I, I was able to to interview various players, coaches, and and a lot of people associated with the program. And so the books set to hit the market probably in mid-December, I'm hoping before the the holiday season, Um, but it's called Champion Underdog, and it really is a chronicle of not just that season, but talking about the the mountain of adversity historically that they faced, but also individual obstacles that came up from the end of the 94 season all the way up through the end of the 95 season, which saw them go uh, 10-1 and and, and win the Big Ten outright and go go to the Rose Bowl and play USC. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'll send more of that information out on Twitter. But again, it's called Champion Underdog, and it, and it chronicles that that historic season for Northwestern football. Well, that sounds exciting. You know, being Nebraska fans, we're not too into like the history of the Big Ten since we're newcomers. You know, Big Eight, Big Twelve. Right. Uh, so I don't have a good memory of that uh, Northwestern season. I don't know if the other cousins do there, but 
that that sounds fascinating. That's awesome. Congratulations. All the more reason to to read the book, Justin. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you. Uh, so let's talk about Northwestern. Last year they went yeah. three and nine overall with and one and eight in conference play. You know, the year before they were playing in the Big Ten championship. So what happened to Northwestern last year? It was in every phase an anomaly, and that's something that uh, Coach Pat Fitzgerald has talked about. It boils down to the quarterback last year, or lack thereof. They they had three different quarterback start games. They had five total take snaps. None of those five players, except for Andrew Marty in the finale against Illinois, which they won for their lone conference win, none of those other guys really had any confidence. They didn't seem comfortable. And I think it was also a byproduct of just pathetic predictability from former offensive coordinator Mick McCall. And it's not to, to badmouth the guy as a person. He's a great individual. But um, Northwestern fans were accustomed to seeing the same vanilla type play calling, especially on third and critical situations. And, and, and I think that that was, you know, a, a spiral downhill <clears throat> from the get go. I mean, their defense played OK last year, but the offense did nothing to help them out. And so, uh, you know, that's where we saw, you know, a very uncharacteristic three and nine season under Pat Fitzgerald, especially in the Big Ten. Well, fast forwarding, you know, Northwestern, they're two and oh this year. Uh, they destroyed Maryland was a 43 to three in the in week one. And oh. then last week they uh, edged out come from behind victory against Iowa, 21 uh, 20. So that's impressive. So, after last year and what you've seen this year, is Northwestern meeting or exceeding your expectations on the air? I think it's, and this is a safe answer, but I, I think that um, they're not exceeding expectations, but it's still too early to tell. I mean, let's, I mean, you talked about the win over Maryland. That was really an expected victory at home. And even though Maryland put up 45 on Minnesota last week, that was a bad, bad Minnesota defense. Uh, yeah. I'm not surprised by the Iowa win. I'm not going to say that I necessarily expected it, but I'm not surprised by that win, given how Iowa started the season. Um, what's exceeding my expectations from this team is how well their defense is playing. Now, defense was the strength going into the season, but I don't think any Northwestern fan and maybe not even any coach or player on that team has expected to see how dominant their defense has been. Again, take it with a grain of salt with those first two opponents, but statistically they're one of the top defenses in the country right now. So, so let's talk about that Iowa game. So I've had a chance to watch that game, not once, but twice. Um, you know, I, I take my scouting very seriously. So uh, <laughs> waiting for the call from Frost. Uh, so, but so, so I, you know, I watched that game and I saw Iowa come up early in the game. You know, they, they were throwing the ball, getting the ball going a little bit on the ground. And then, you know, second quarter, when they got up about 17, nothing Northwestern's run defense really came into effect and they just really shut down Iowa um, going into the second half. Northwestern really didn't move the ball well. It was really Iowa miscues that allowed Northwestern to really take control of the game. And even late in the game, Iowa had plenty of opportunities to steal that game from Northwestern. And I don't want to discredit Northwestern, but it was a lot of Iowa discues. So watching that Iowa game, give me your thoughts on how Northwestern performed. And do you feel that Northwestern won that game or beat Iowa, or did Iowa kind of shoot themselves in the foot and lost that game? I would say it's it's about 60-40. Uh, mostly it was how Northwestern overcame that early adversity. I think Iowa got a little bit too comfortable and kind of rested on their loyal, laurels there. But what was great to see from Northwestern was how unflappable their coaching staff was, and that transferred down to – Peyton Ramsey at quarterback. And I think, I mean, their defense is bred to, to keep them in games. Um, but, you know, the, the key, especially at the end, once they, you know, they, they went up 21, 20 and Iowa had most of the fourth quarter to try and come back, but getting a decent amount of pressure on Spencer Petrus uh, with a three man rush and then kind of blanketing the, the intermediate routes with their linebackers, their athletic linebackers underneath, and then covering over the top, with uh, a better than expected secondary. It was just, he really had nowhere to go to. And and like I said, pass rush from guys like Ikuleota and Tommy Adebawore, 
uh, were getting in his face and not giving him much time to, to make that clean throw. But I think that it was, you know, about 40% Spencer Petrus. If he, you know, if, if he makes one or two more throws, that could be a different outcome in that game. So, so when you look at that game, um, you know, Nebraska is really sad we didn't get a play. But um, going into that game with Iowa, there was a lot of to be made about the inactives. Northwestern had a pretty long list of inactives. And even watching that game, um, it seemed like a couple players got banged up through the game. So give me give me a rundown of the health of Northwestern. Um, what, what are we looking like going into the Nebraska game? Well, the, the, the two biggest um, inactives as we see it so far going into the Nebraska game are at defensive tackle with Trevor Kent and Jason Gold. Um, Kent hasn't played at all yet this year. He's kind of been week to week, day to day. Um, Jason Gold played the first quarter against Maryland, but he went down. But, um, you know, Greg Newsom was was active last week, but he didn't really play. The only time he got on the stat sheet was a celebra- celebration penalty after their last interception. Um, from the sidelines. So uh, got to clean that up. But um, overall, in, in terms of um, guys who can make an impact, uh, they've been pretty healthy so far. Riley Lease, who, you know, is, is a three-year receiver, uh, he went down early in the game last week, but uh, Coach Fitzgerald in his uh, press conference on Monday basically said that he uh, is kind of still keeping an eye on him, but he is on the depth chart. He's, he's starting on the depth chart now. Granted, um, especially now with with all the the protocols and, and how quickly guys can be scratched. Um, what's here today could be completely different on Saturday. But as we see it going into Saturday, they they go into the Nebraska game relatively healthy. So I thought there was a little bit of the wide receivers getting banged up. Um, I, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but he, he went out for a period of the time in the game. But the wide receiver health looks good against Nebraska. Yeah, in terms of their their top four anyway. So uh, Ramad Chakio Bowen, Joe Bowman, I'm sorry, um, Kyrie McGowan, basically their their top two receivers. They're going to be healthy. Um, like I said, Riley Lees is listed on the depth chart, so it appears as though he'll be a go. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of limit him uh, and, and only bring him out if if it's a needed situation. Um, they really have a lot of youth at that receiver position, and and Malik Washington is really the only other receiver who's touch the ball outside of tight end. So really Northwestern has really three receivers who have made an impact on the offense this year. And all three guys look to be, uh, well, four, I guess, with Riley Lease, all, all four look to be healthy and ready to go on Saturday with Lease being somewhat questionable. So, so give us a rundown on this offense, you know, going into the year, uh, I, on the podcast, everyone who's listened weekend out knows that I've been high on Northwestern. I, I have been, the guy who's been scared of this game a little bit more than the other two. Um, but I will say two weeks in the season, uh, the offense definitely hasn't blown me away. I think there's a lot of pieces there. Um, but give give our listeners a rundown of what can Nebraska expect of the Northwestern offense. Well, Northwestern's going to run at you. And, and they're going to they're gonna give Isaiah Bowser and Drake Anderson and Jesse Brown and maybe even Evan Hull, uh, you know, a lot of carries. I think they carried the ball almost 50 times against Iowa um, and they needed to because that's a, that's a rugged Iowa uh, front four, but um, you know, that's where they're going to go to. And, and it's been a, a great addition having Peyton Ramsey at quarterback, not because of his stats, but just his competitive nature and the way he's performed on the money down. So third down, they, Northwestern was 10 of 19 against Iowa, but I think, um, of all the passes that Ramsey threw on third down, he completed about 80% of his third down throws. Um, and, and again, guys like McGowan and Chucky Bowman have stepped up and, and they've been those sticks receivers. Whereas last year, Northwestern didn't get that. They would run four yards when they needed six yards. And so, um, you know, I, I think that what Northwestern is going to come into against Nebraska is seeing that, you know, they gave up 215 yards against Ohio State, who, like you guys touched on in a previous podcast, they didn't really blow you away. The stats were a little bit uh, padded there. So I, I think, um, you know, Bajakian, their offensive coordinator, is a run first guy. Fitzgerald has always been a run first guy. And so they're going to live and die by the run and then sprinkle in, uh, you know, Ramsey moving outside the pocket to, to move the chains when they need to. Before I turn it over to Derek, like, is that what Peyton Ramsey is at this point? Like, because, you know, a couple of years ago, Nebraska had the opportunity to play him uh, when he was at Indiana. And 
Yeah. You know, I, I thought he was a pretty dynamic passer. Um, watching him against Iowa, again, I didn't get a chance to watch much of the Northwestern. He, him moving around was a lot. It, it, how would you assess him as a quarterback? Is he a dual threat pocket passer? Does a little bit of that. What is Peyton Ramsey? Peyton Ramsey is a game manager, and that's why I was I was pleased to see him join the Wildcats because they really needed that. He brings an era of an air of confidence, and it's not like uh, in the form of swagger. It's really just I know what my job is. I know what my role is. I'm going to do what we need to do, and I'm not going to try and do too much. Whereas last year, um, quarterbacks for Northwestern lacked the confidence, and to try and make up for that. They would try and uh, force throws. They would try and extend plays. And, you know, it, it, it just didn't happen. So I think that's what we see from Peyton Ramsey. He's a game manager, and he's a guy that you can trust leading your offense when you need him to get a third down conversion, when you need that drive. Peyton Ramsey, and, and I was saying this um, on another podcast last year, that um, because the writing on the wall was that Michael Penix was going to be Indiana's quarterback, um, and Peyton Ramsey would go into the transfer portal. And I kind of jokingly said I would pick him up uh, in a heartbeat. And fortunately, Northwestern was able to do that. Yeah, great quarterback. Yeah. All right, well, let, let's move to the defensive side of the ball here. Uh, so one of the first things I'm going to bring up is a run game. And you you you, you spoke of that uh, a lot against uh, – with Nebraska – or Northwestern trying to run the ball against Nebraska. But – uh, Nebraska ran the ball 20, 222 yards on six yards per carry against what could be the best team in the country. Uh, but Northwestern has only given up 70 yards per game on two games with 3.2 yards per carry. Yeah. But th- but here's my thing. like Maryland didn't run the ball a lot. They only ran the ball 20 times. Iowa uncharacteristically ran ran the ball only 23 times uh so is this more of a factor of teams not running much against northwestern or is northwestern's run defense that good i think it's it's a it's a little combination of both but if you look at maryland maryland got down pretty quick pretty early so they were almost forced to throw the football and they were going with a very inexperienced backfield they had two freshmen that were playing back there in their first game um, Jake Funk didn't have nearly the game that he exploded against Minnesota in week one. Um, so, you know, under Mike Hankwitz, Northwestern's defensive coordinator, they are predicated to stop the run. Uh, they've got a, a very stout 4-3 scheme up front. Uh, but again, like you said, they Northwestern really has not been tested by a good run team. And, and Nebraska is certainly the best run offense that they have faced so far this year. Um, and, and I know that might go against the liking of some Iowa fans, but Iowa did not really pose any sort of threat in the run game last week or what they tried Northwestern shut down. And I think that the, the potential that Nebraska has with Martinez McCaffrey and uh, Diedrich Mills is certainly a lot more challenging than what they saw against Maryland and against uh, Iowa. Absolutely. And I, and I'm with you there to me, this is easily the, toughest game Northwestern is going to face rushing the ball right. so far. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, here, here, here's another thing that threw me for a loop was uh, Northwestern's got six interceptions so far this year on yeah. defense. And they only had four all I of mean, last year. So yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Nebraska, we really didn't throw the ball a lot against Ohio state. We did throw the ball 80% passing, no interceptions. Uh, but we really didn't throw down the field. Uh, but we really didn't have much for wide receiver because we didn't have two or three wide receivers that most of us anticipated starting, not even travel with a team. Right. Oh, uh, again, you got Iowa throwing the ball 51 times and you picked them off three times. Uh, what, what What is the game plan for Northwestern to start to – shut down Nebraska's pass offense when they don't really pass the ball down the field much. Yeah, I think because of that, because there's we really haven't seen a an electric downfield threat from Nebraska. I mean, obviously, Wondell Robinson can catch it and, and beat you in space. Um, and he, he put up a hurt on the Wildcats last year. I think he had 
Uh, he averaged over 17 yards per reception on seven catches. Um, and then he had that long touchdown run as well. But, um, you know, that's really the, the thing that worries me the most about Nebraska is what we haven't seen. Um, and I was going to kind of ask you guys if you had any insight on those three guys, Hickman and Manning and Betts, who we haven't seen yet. Um, that's really what scares me. And, and in my write-up this week, that's kind of what I talked about is um, – the, the fear of the unknown. So uh, the, the Nebraska passing game, as we saw it against Ohio State and the Northwestern's pass defense, the way we've seen it in the first two weeks, Nebraska's passing threat doesn't uh, worry me as much unless uh, a couple of those guys that we haven't seen yet burst onto the scene and, and, and bruise that um, confidence that Northwestern's pass defense has had because they're number two in pass efficiency defense in the country right now. They're number one in interceptions per game. And again, it's a small sample size, but this is a group uh, in the secondary for, for the Wildcats that is far and away exceeding their expectations. And they haven't even played with their top corner, Greg Newsom. He's been out the first two weeks and he's slated to come back this week to go against Nebraska. So um, I would give Northwestern's uh, pass defense a slight edge over Nebraska's pass offense right now but again I still have a big question mark about the guys that we haven't seen for Nebraska and, and what sort of threat they can pose so I'll jump in there real quick so yeah. I, I think there's a lot of speculation that Omar Manning um, the number two juco in the country is going to be suited up Saturday <laughs> now Scott Frost has not been asked about it he has not commented on it Scott Frost will probably give a very vague answer when he is asked about it because sure. um, that is his kind of M.O. So, But the local media, a lot of people believe he will be playing. Chris Hickman, again, don't really know what his deal was week one, except he was had dealing with minor injuries. Um, do with that, with as, you that will, as you will, but maybe – Xavier Betts, um, who was the number 20 overall wide receiver in last year's recruiting class, I do not expect to see on Saturday. I, I just – there has been no signs that he has taken the steps forward in this offense to be that guy that gets the field um, at this point in the season. Um, Nebraska will benefit greatly if uh, Omar Manning and Chris Hickman are on the field because they are two, the two tallest wide receivers we have. Yeah. They can stretch the field um, and put Northwestern in a little bit situation. Um, I don't want to say the game comes down if those guys play or not, but it very possibly from the passing attack, like that could be the difference if those guys are on the field on Saturday or not. And, and I kind of, um, I, I thought about Nebraska's receiving threats and, and the core of receivers that I've seen so far, are, they're more sticks guys than six guys. And what I mean by that is they'll get you, um, you know, yardage to move the chains, but they're not going to take the top off of a defense that, uh, some of the other uh, receiving threats in the in the Big Ten can do. Well, what they are is they're blockers more than anything. Right. I mean, sure. Jade Warner. I mean, what, what he 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 can catch the ball. Don't don't get me wrong. This guy can play. But what Cade Warner is probably the best on the team at is perimeter blocking. Yeah. And you saw the little bit of the benefits of that against Ohio State. Um, so he will be, even if Omar Manning and Chris Hickman are out there, I do fully expect to see a lot of Cade Warner and these guys. Um, good analysis there on those guys. But I think that what you could almost look at them is like perimeter offensive linemen. I mean, that's what these guys are going to do for the Huskers. And it's vital to the success of the team that we have those guys out there. That's why you aren't seeing the Elante Browns, Marcus Fleming's in the game yet is because they can't do that perimeter blocking. And at least during, Brown's been at the game. Okay, at least during Ohio State, our game plan was very evident that we were going to have Luke McCaffrey, Adrian Martinez, and a running game be the vocal point. Sure. Yet to be seen if that's the game plan against Northwestern. And, and I want to add one other thing. Something that's been an Achilles heel for Northwestern defenses in recent past has been the tight end. And so that's where, um, you know, Austin Allen and Jack Stoll are two guys that – concerned me a little bit and Northwestern was was exposed against Sam Laporta last week against Iowa but then they found a way to kind of shut him down and I think part of that was getting in the grill of Spencer Petrus and, and getting in his head as well so Laporta was kind of ineffective in the second half mostly due to the Northwestern uh, adjustments but Allen and Stoll do kind of worry me and even Travis Volkolek um, I always liked him at Rutgers and I thought that that was a big get for Nebraska you know what 
Jack Stoll, he got banged up in the last game, so I'm going to ask the Cousins this. Do do we know what's up with Jack Stoll? Is he going to be playing in this game? Do we know definitively if he is? I haven't heard either way, but I'm going to assume yes until I find out. That's, that's the toughest part about having Scott Frost as coach. You don't hear anything about injuries. I mean, it's right. if someone's injured, it's like it never happened. I mean, until you see him again. Unless, unless it's – Unless it's season ending. Season you ending, you don't yeah. Record. I, I will say, I if you ask me sitting here today, I think you have a better shot of seeing Omar Manning than Jack Stoll. Is that now, right? Maybe you, may, now, maybe you see them both. Maybe you see them both. Maybe you see neither. But if you ask me if I had to say, I think Omar Manning is more likely to be on the field than Jack Stoll. But you hit on that really well, that our depth at tight end is a strength of this team. Um, while Jack Stoll is... Obviously, he's a senior. He's been around probably our best tight end, maybe our best tight end. I think there's a debate there. Um, I, I think we can survive if he is not in the game um, because of Vokalek and Austin Allen. So, so Choppy, one of the things that uh, on this podcast that we talked about is the lack of uh, gameplay from the tight ends last year in the, the game plan, I guess. You know, the tight ends weren't being used as much as what we thought they should be. In that first game against Ohio State, you know, the, the tight ends accounted for five catches, which doesn't sound like a lot, but by Nebraska standards in this offense, it just it seemed like it's like, wow, the tight ends are going to be part of the game plan. It was three different tight ends making those catches. So that was uh, that was one good takeaway from that game, I guess. Sure. All right. I, I'm going to get back to your defense here because – it's a great it's a great defense and uh and if there's a strength to this defense i mean you talked about the secondary i know they're good but if there's a strength to this defense it's a linebacker core oh uh, your 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 top three leading tacklers are linebacker chris burgeon patty fisher and blake gallagher those guys are hands down great yeah. uh but but is the is the defensive line a bit of a weakness or is there just not a lot of stats there? Because uh, Iku, I, I, I'm probably going to put his name, Iku Leota. Yeah, you got it. Saying, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, he's got two tackles for loss, but that's his only tackles of the season. Uh, your, your, uh, the Northwestern as a team only has three sacks or two games, which isn't lighting the world on fire. I know, I know you had some pressure against Petrus, but you weren't getting to him. And it's not like he's so elusive that you can't get to that guy. Right. It, it, so, so it makes me kind of wonder if, if, if you put pressure on guys like uh, Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez and they can get away, what, what's that going to do to you guys? Well, our defensive line is, is more athletic than they are stout. So, um, you know, Northwestern is is pretty loaded at the defensive end position, and they kind of have been. I think uh, their position coach, Marty Long, is one of the most underrated position coaches in the conference, if not the country. Um, he's he's developed his guys really well. But, yeah, coming into the season, the big weakness was at defensive tackle. And through the first two weeks, we've been missing our, our two starting defensive tackles in a position that was already weak. So the role of the D-line so far this year has really been to kind of just occupy um you know the blockers and and maryland was not a good uh test but iowa has you know traditionally a great offensive line and i thought that the defensive line held their own and and they've never really been a group uh collectively that will will wow you on the stat page but they they do a good enough job to free up those trio of linebackers who i think makes one of the best groups in the country or not the country in the conference and that's not just uh you know me being a northwestern guy saying that uh, you talked about the stats, and, and they're led by the guy who never gets talked about, Chris Bergen, who's a walk-on. He's just a scrappy guy. Um, if I'm an opposing team, that guy annoys the hell out of me. But as a Wildcat uh, follower, uh, you love to have him on your team. And, and, you know, Patty Fisher gets most of the publicity, but I think their best true linebacker is Blake Gallagher, the guy who he's the better tackler. I mean, Fisher has missed a couple uh you know, open field tackles this year, and he's done it in the past couple years as well. I think Gallagher is the better of the three, and um, you know they're able to play well because the the defensive line in front of them is athletic enough, at least this year, to uh, to occupy the the blocking scheme long enough to to have those guys play free. 
All right. Well, let's get into some score predictions here. All right, Chappie. Uh, how do you see this game playing out, and what's your score prediction? Well, as you guys are probably aware, this game has been close really ever since North or since Nebraska's come into the Big Ten. Um, they they hold the overall margin uh, or overall series record, um, and and Frost is one and one. But I think it's going to go close again. The Vegas says right now that Northwestern is a four point favorite. I'm going to stick with that, and, and I'm going to call a Northwestern victory 31-27, I think partially because of playing in the comfort of your home stadium, and I don't not because of the fans that are there, because even in a, in a regular year, Nebraska would basically dominate in about an 80-20 percentage in the stands, but I think because Northwestern doesn't have to travel, because you know, and the weather's going to be well, they're not going to have to worry about a wind, and I think also um, with uh, Taylor Britt and um, uh, Deontay Williams both being out for the first half with those questionable targeting calls. I think that that's going to have the, the offensive game plan go through the air and try and attack them in the first half and, and then have their defense hold. So I, I think Northwestern wins this 31-27. But would I be surprised if Nebraska comes out on top? Absolutely not, because I think that this is a, a team that we still don't know a lot about, and, and that could be to the Cornhuskers' advantage. Tyler, what's your score prediction? Well, you talk about home field advantage. One of the biggest things when I look at Northwestern's home field advantage is the length of the grass. And Nebraska conspiracy theory, or everyone in the Big Ten loves to believe that Northwestern does that for the speed, maybe the right. lawn keeping. Uh, yep. But that, do, that, that does play a little bit in the speed of this team. Um, I think this game's going to be a little bit lower scoring than you do. I think Northwestern's defense is for real. I think Nebraska has shown a history of turning the ball over. Um, Northwestern doesn't. Um, I kind of alluded to this. Northwestern's offense has not been impressive to me up to this point. Um, I think that it is going to be a little bit lower scoring, but just like you, I think it's going to be a one score game, but I do think I'm going to give the edge of the Huskers 24 to 17. All right, Derek. All right. I, I, I'm going to go back to uh, Chappie. You talk about how close these games have been. Uh, 2018. It took a 99-yard drive to take it into overtime, and, and Northwestern pulled out the overtime win. Uh, last year, it took a last-second field goal by Nebraska to go ahead and win. Uh, we've had overtime games. We've had Hail Marys. We've, we've had every scenario come to win this game. Uh, but, but the road team has won this game six out of nine times. Yeah. That's what scares and, me. The, the other thing is, is seven out of the nine games have come within one scores. Uh, six of those not six of those seven have been within three points. Uh, this, this is gonna be a close game. This is this is always a close matchup. This is probably one of the best games that series that always gets played every year that gets that's probably the most underrated game. Uh, you you talk about our defensive backs being suspended for half, but Peyton Ramsey hasn't proved enough to me to throw the ball well enough. To, but I, I think we still struggle to score. I, I, I'm with Tyler. I think it's a low-scoring game. I'm going to go 24-21 Nebraska. I, I, th- I think we edge out with another last-second field goal. Okay. Yeah, so uh, – Nebraska, 35-point loss against Ohio State, then no game against Wisconsin. If you heard Scott Frost in his presser on Monday, which was yesterday, I guess it was, he sounded really annoyed that uh, they couldn't play a game and, you know, all all the stuff. They couldn't get that game against Chattanooga. Says the team has a little chip on their shoulder. Uh, I want to believe that. I don't know how good Nebraska is right now because it was still a 35-point loss. But – there's enough signs to think that uh, we've made enough progression over the last couple of years and headed into this game. I think playing Northwestern, this is almost like a must win. Uh, We didn't get that chance against Wisconsin headed into Penn state next week. This is almost like a must win. Uh, So I think Nebraska just with their edge, I think that, that they are going to pull this one out. It's going to be a tight game. Uh, I have 24-21 also, Derek. Uh, we didn't talk before this, but I told 
Uncle TR of that, so I got to stick with it. Uh, but yeah, it's just going to be one of these, uh, I don't know. I don't, it's not going to be as boring as last year's matchup, right? That 13-10 little pillow fight that we had last <laughs> year. I think this one's going to be a little bit more interesting. Uh, I'd like to see a little more points. I like the points that you have there, Chappie, but uh, I don't know if we're going to see that kind of offense. Tyler, what's up? I want to give two quick points. If Northwestern wins on Saturday, they they are in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West. I, I think the path to them winning the West looks really good. If Nebraska wins this game, it is going to be a very interesting Big Ten West. I think that if it, the way it plays out, I'm not saying Northwestern will be dead because I still think they'll have a shot in this, um, but it'll be very interesting. And then the last note, I just wanted to point out, you talked about the Scott Frost press conference. It is very interesting, the difference of opinions on coaches. Fitzgerald thinks that Nebraska not playing is some my advantage, a little bit healthier. Scott Frost clearly doesn't see it that way. He would have rather taken the snaps. You know, whoever is right in that that side of the coin, probably will, the other team will win the game. Um, if those snaps really matter for Nebraska, Northwestern will win the game. If the healthier team, being Nebraska, pulls out, then maybe that means a little bit more for uh, uh, the Huskers. All right, Chappie, last word. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to remind everybody, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at champion underscore lit. And uh, again, I'll, I'll pass along more information once the book Champion Underdog comes out this December. But um, so you can follow me also on Wildcat Report, uh, weekly pregame previews and postgame analysis. So I'll be posting that after the game on Saturday as well um, to give you know our our viewers, your your listeners, a little rundown of of what happened and, and you know from from both sides. Okay. Good stuff. Excellent. And I, I, I love the book. I love the thought of it. Um, look forward to reading it and maybe getting you on maybe after the season and talk a little bit about it. Cause uh, again, the, the historians, we talk about 95 and you uh, in on this, in this room, <laughs> we talk about Nebraska. So um, right. that that's obviously a very uh, historical season for Northwestern and the big 10 as a whole. Well, we'll have to find uh, maybe an autograph copy around somewhere. Oh yeah, I did. definitely, guys. And 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 I'd love to be uh, be on again anytime you guys want to talk college football, Big Ten football. Uh, you guys do a great job, so keep up the good work. Awesome. Hey, thank you. you so much. All right, Chappie, thank you so much, and we'll uh, be in touch. All right, take care, guys. All right, thanks. All right, guys, it's time for games of the week. Uh, updated standings. Tyler, you are on a tear this year. I don't know what's wrong with 2020, but uh, it's affecting you now. Uh, you went four and one last week. You are 25 and 13 on the season. Now these games are straight up, but we're picking some close games, challenging games. So that's impressive. Derek, me and you, we tied yet again. Uh, three. We each went three and two last week, and we're each 21 and 17 on the season. Not great, but uh, we got a. We got to catch it, Tyler here because this is nuts here. You you, you know though those really aren't bad. Tyler's just tearing it up. He is. They're, they're, our, our 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 record's not that bad. Uh, I guess dumb minds think alike. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the worst thing is is if I win this year, you you know we might as well take the rest of the off season off because I will be unbearable the whole off season. You've been unbearable for the last five years on the podcast, Tyler. <laughs> Which is crazy because I think I've won it like the last five years and I've been pretty bearable about it. Well, you know, Tyler doesn't know how to win. He's never been there before. So, uh, <laughs> you know how it goes. All right. Well, let's get to these. I games. guess I'll just have, I'll just, I guess I'll just have to come back and win the thing, damn thing. Hey, you know, I've never won this thing, but, you know, I just keep on trucking along. Hey, guys, we got some pretty good games this week. Four top 25 matchups. Uh, the first one is number nine BYU, three point favorites at number twenty one Boise State. This game's on Friday night. Tyler, you know Cincinnati right now is getting a lot of publicity, and rightfully so, is the team that's not in the Power Five that is the best in the country. I, I'm not sleeping on BYU. I think BYU is right up there in that category. Um, I like BYU in this game. I like them to cover that spread and win handily. Derek. Uh, you know, 
BYU is in past midseason form. They've played seven games to Boise State's two. Boise State's still a little accident-prone, I think. They gave up 30 points to Air Force. Uh, BYU is just scoring at will. And uh, I, I, I got to give this game to BYU. I don't even know if it's close. Yeah, I have BYU also. You know, I get that BYU really they, – they haven't played anybody this year. You know, maybe Houston is probably their best game. But, uh, God, they're just winning so convincingly each and every game. So – I got BYU also. Uh, next top 25 matchup, number 23, Michigan, three-and-a-half-point favorites at number 13, Indiana. Tyler? I don't know what happened in Michigan last week against Michigan State. Um, Harbaugh against the rivals is tough. Um, you know, Indiana this year has looked good. Um, I think they have a really good quarterback in Penix. Um, you know, they, they looked good against Rutgers, but, you know, what is Rutgers? I, I still don't know if I have a good beat on how good Indiana really is. If they beat Michigan, I'll change my tune, but I haven't seen enough evidence to support that Michigan won't win this game. So I'm going to give the slight edge to Michigan here. Michigan, all right. Derek. All right. Here's the deal. Indiana cannot run the football. Like, they haven't done it against anybody yet. I mean, they played Rutgers and uh, who else did they play? Penn State. Penn State. Penn State. Sorry. Uh, but they haven't ran the ball well against anybody yet. But the problem is Michigan can't stop the damn de- uh, pass. So that's what Indiana does well. I, 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 I'm giving the slight edge to Indiana here. I, I, I'm, that game soured me for last week for Harbaugh and Michigan. And I, I just don't know that they're there right now. Yeah, that was probably the most hilarious game last week. Michigan State, who we all had uh, – at the bottom, you know, I mean, they were at the bottom of the list after uh, losing to Ruggers. I mean, who does that? You know, uh, I think our power pole had them at number 13 collectively, but them to come out and beat Michigan the way that they did, man, I can see this Michigan team still lingering from those wounds right there because that was embarrassing. So I'm going to take Indiana in a close one. Uh, speaking of Michigan State, we got Michigan State at Iowa. Iowa six and a half point favorites. Tyler, you know, I, you know, Michigan State opening weekend could have beat Rutgers if it wasn't for the turnovers. I think there's still a lot to be said about how good this Michigan State team is. Um, I, I'm not. I might be wrong about them. They may be better than I think. Iowa, um, you know, this is kind of their their make or break. If they don't win Saturday, I think their season's pretty much done. I think they have a little bit motiv- more motivation. I'm going to go Iowa in this game. Derek, uh, I I completely disagree with you. I I honestly think uh, Michigan State has the better quarterback, uh, Rocky Lombardi. He's got 642 yards, six touchdowns to two interceptions. Uh, Spencer Petrus for Iowa's only got 481 yards and he's passed the ball 90 damn times. Come on. He's, and he's got one touchdown to three interceptions. He's going to kill him for this season. Uh, I think, I think Iowa's coaches have with all the shit gone on in that whole, uh, racism against the coaches. I think they've lost this team. They've had, I believe three transfers in the last two weeks. That have left the team, and I, I kind of think they've lost this team at this point. Yeah, I'm t- I'm going with Iowa. I think uh, Michigan State, they did what they wanted to do in 2020 is uh, knock off the big brother Michigan. They got that win for all of uh, – for the rest of the year. I, I don't see them getting past Iowa. I think there's too much on the line for Iowa. Iowa's – they're not going to back down – uh, like this, so give me Iowa. Uh, number eight, Florida at number five, Georgia. This is going to be a fun game. Uh, Georgia is three and a half point favorites. Tyler, a very tough game here to pick. Um, you know, a lot of these games were. You know, I'm I'm going to go Georgia here. I just think the Bulldogs' defense is a, a little bit better. They're they're the special thing about this game. Um. 
So while, while again, it wouldn't shock me if Florida won. I'm going to go Georgia here. Derek? Uh, Kyle Trask is a way better quarterback than Stetson Bennett, and I'm going to stick with that. I think uh, Florida – it'll be a fun game, but I think Florida wins pretty big. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like Florida in this game. When Alabama beat up on Georgia – you know, I, I said on the podcast, I was like, that's not going to be the only game that Georgia loses this year. They have, they can't generate any offense. Their offense is, isn't that great. Their defense looks good, and I think Florida is going to get them this year, this time. Uh, number one, Clemson, five-and-a-half-point favorites at number four, Notre Dame. No Trevor Lawrence. Tyler? No Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, Clemson last week against Boston College um, struggled in the first half without him. Uh, Notre Dame, I believe, is a tad overrated. It, does that enough to offset it? I'm, I'm going to stick with Clemson here. Um, I think that they got it going a little bit in the second half, and I think that will carry over just to give them the edge against Notre Dame. Derek? I, again, I couldn't disagree with you more there, Tyler. Uh no Trevor Lawrence on the road to a Notre Dame defense that's only given up 10 points a game. I just don't see I think Notre Dame finds a way to win this without Trevor Lawrence. If Trevor Lawrence was playing, I would be totally different. But without Trevor Lawrence, I don't, I don't see uh, Clemson getting past Notre Dame. Yeah, this was going to be the ACC matchup of the year. Uh, Clemson, Notre Dame, and I would have, you know, in the beginning of the season, I would have said the only way that Notre Dame would have a shot is if Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing. Well, guess what? He's not playing. Notre Dame is going to get the win here. Uh, watching that game last week, Clemson's offense is not the same without Trevor Lawrence in there. And Boston College gave them a run for their money. Notre Dame's going to do the exact same thing. Notre Dame's defense is a little bit better. So, yep, give me Notre Dame. Uh, all right, guys, it is time for best bets. This segment, Tyler, me and you, we're not faring too well. We both, uh, missed last week's best bet. I had the great Minnesota team as 19 and a half point favorites over, uh, uh, Maryland. And my goodness, I couldn't have been farther off. Maryland upset Minnesota in overtime. Tyler, you missed. So I'm two and five on the year. You're three and four. Derek, you're the only one that's any good at this game. Uh, you're four, two, and one on the year. You hit last week's with the uh, the over on Ruggers and in Indiana, right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to start off with you, Derek. Give out that winning pick. I right. you're not going to like it because you've already picked against me here, but uh, I. Dude, Michigan State impressed me last week, and I think I really honestly think they lost Iowa's team. I, I I took Michigan State plus seven. I think that's a easy bet. Tyler, I don't hate the bet. Um, even though I picked Iowa here, I think that I could see that covering. So I like the pick there. Um, I'm going to kind of stick with our game of the weeks too, but I'm going to go with the over under, which has been my thing this year. Maybe I need a new thing. I'm going to go the over in the Clemson Notre Dame game. Uh, it's at 52 points. And, and I get that this defense of Notre Dame is good. Um, if you think Notre Dame's going to win this game, then I buy that. Um, but I, I just think that is such a low over-under and what I think is going to be such a back-and-forth game. Um, I, I I think that they're going to be able to hit the over. I, I, I know everyone's... Clemson is not the same without Trevor Lawrence. I get it. Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback or the second best quarterback in college football. I, I'm not saying it, but this backup guy, this guy, this is not a scrub. This is this is a guy who would be starting for probably Notre Dame if he was there. I mean, th- this is a good quarterback. Um, I can't. I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, if you can pronounce his name, yeah, I, I'm not even going to try. Uh, but. <laughs> I, I, I do think there's going to be enough points to get over that 52-point mark. All right. Well, uh, Tyler, I do not like your bet at all. I would stay away from that uh, over-under right there because I just Woo-hoo! don't. I would say. I feel good now. Derek, I, I like your pick. You know, just because I'm taking Iowa in that game, I think it'll be a close game. Iowa, they don't, jo- they don't rack up a lot of points. 
I don't think Michigan State will either. I think this is this is very well a one-score game either which way. So uh, I like that pick. My pick, I'm going to go something uh, with a bigger spread. Uh, UMass is terrible. Uh, UMass, they do one thing. They get blown out in football. They're playing number 16, Marshall. Marshall is 44.5-point favorites this week. Marshall has a great defense. Uh they're, they can rack up a lot of points, and they don't play another good team this year. They got two games left uh, against uh, Middle Tennessee State and Charlotte. So with that number 16 ranking, th- they're going to have to start running up some scores here for the rest of the uh, year just to, just to get up there, you know, get up there in the rankings. And they're going to start with UMass. UMass is a just a – God, they're just bad. They're so bad. So – I, I see like a 56-59-3 type of game here. So give me Marshall minus 44 and a half. Thoughts? Uh, <laughs> Who's I, UMass? I, I, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> all right. That's, that's a lot of points to cover. That's all I'll say. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, the way that uh, my best bets have been going, I ain't going to hit it anyway. But anyway... Great show tonight. Uh, thanks again to Chappie for joining us to talk Northwestern. Special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio get together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Apple Podcast. Hit the subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red.